Oh, it's good. It's good that we can laugh and enjoy and know that God works in all of us. And, um, man, it's good. It's good. Uh, our God is good. So, hello and welcome. Welcome to Beach Island. Um, man, I'm excited about today. I have to tell you, I'm super excited about today. I'm excited that God has given us this day. I'm excited that we're gathered here. I'm excited that every one of you are here to be with us. It doesn't matter uh, um, how long you have been coming to Beecher, if it's, if it's many, many years, or if it's just today. Thank you for being with us. And I'm excited about what God has uh, had us in here lately in the Gospel of John. Uh, I'm excited about what He's laid on my heart to share with you today. And, and I'll be honest with you, this has just been rolling around in my brain since I said, you know what, I'm going I'm to go ahead and preach the Gospel of John. And um, so I will give you just a little warning. Stick with me this morning. I, um, it's going to be good. But it, it builds upon itself, we'll maybe say. But uh, I am excited about it. But for those that are here with us the first time, I want to introduce you to Beecher Island. Beecher Island is an independent, non-denominational, Jesus-loving Bible preaching church. <laughs> And I say that every Sunday morning, I just love it, because that is who we are. That is who we are. We, we are uh, led by God and God himself. Yes, he has called us to put men in place to be spiritual leaders of our church. And um, they do an awesome job of seeking the Lord and leading us by. And um, um, it is good that that is what we do. And I just want you to know... But that is who we are as Beecher Island. Uh, all preaching and teaching comes from His Word and the prompting of the Holy Spirit, we'll say. So uh, um, I will apologize for dancing around here, but Craig said, don't apologize for that if it's the Holy Spirit moving you. It's okay. So <clears throat> my daughter's made fun of me quite a bit since last Sunday, so we'll just let it go now. She said, just wait till your birthday and it's all over everywhere you're dancing around. But anyways... <laughs> Go to John. <laughs> Let's get to the Word, because that's what I'm so excited about. John chapter 2 is where we're going to be. John chapter 2. And uh, I want you to remember, though, what I keep bringing up. That we need to read this Gospel of John with the intentions that John wrote it. And we can find that when we go to, to John 20, verse 31. John 20, verse 31 says, But these things were written, so you may believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God. And believing, you will have life in His name. And we have to make sure that when we read this, that's where we're at. That's where we're coming from. And when we do that, man, it opens it up. It opens it up. Let's go to him in prayer. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for each one of these individuals that are here this morning uh, making the choice to come right here and worship you, God, and glorify your name. And I pray that that is what we do. I pray that our hearts are open, our minds are open to your word and the Holy Spirit that you have placed in us. Lord, I thank you that we have the counselor, the advocate, the power of the Holy Spirit within us to guide us and lead us. And Lord, I just pray this morning that your word is spoken. 
that it's your truth, not mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, John chapter 2. We're going to read uh, down to about verse um, 19. Or tw we're going to go 12. Somewhere in there, 11. All right. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servant, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servant, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servant who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine. After the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. This is the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed in Canaan in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. And this is the first miracle that Jesus performed. And quite a miracle. Quite a miracle that he lays out here for us. There was a wedding going on, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to it, and he, and he goes. And when we look at this account on the surface, when we just read it for what it is, it's an absolute amazing miracle that Jesus performed. And what a, what a miracle that he did for the groom. It was amazing that he did that for this wedding because there was great consequences for running out of wine. And Jesus performed this amazing miracle. But when we read this, it brings up some questions for me. It brings up some questions that I really had to answer before I could bring it to you guys. I want to remind you that the author of this gospel, the Apostle John, wrote this so that we will know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And we have to read it that way. And in that, we are told by John, that there were so many miracles performed by Jesus that if they were all written down, we, the, the world couldn't contain it. But yet he wrote this one. He wrote this miracle in his gospel so that we will know that Jesus is the Christ. But why? Why this one? Just because it's his first? Maybe. But is there more than that to it? I also want you to know, though, and I know that you know, but I'm going to remind you. That our God is an amazing detail orchestrator. His detail is to the nth degree. We can't even fathom His detail that He has put into this world and into us and everything that is of Him. His detail is amazing. So when we look at this with that frame of mind, 
That it was written for a reason and our God has great detail? It starts to unravel. It starts to give us some detail and starts to answer some questions. John 2, 1-5. through 5. We're going to jump into it. It says, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. When we read this on the surface, it may seem like Jesus being a little rough. Maybe he's being a little rude to his mother. I mean, truly, think about it. If um, I was to address a female in this group, woman, <laughs> I guarantee there'd be a meeting after church and I'm not invited to it. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, was he being rude? Was he being abrupt? Let's dig a little deeper. See, I think we have to move a little bit forward in this verse and then come back to the way he addressed his mom. He says, why do you involve me? Why do you involve me? You see, I think that this is the separation between a son who has been mothered and Jesus becoming the Son of God. He was already the Son of God, but it was his ministry. He was starting to confess. Now, he referred to himself often as the son of man, saying it's time for my ministry to start. It was a separation. He was saying, hey, uh, it's time that I go on in my ministry. See, Mary wanted Jesus to be glorified right there. Right there in that miracle, she wanted him glorified. And he says, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. It wasn't about the miracle. It wasn't about the miracle that he says, it's not my time, I'm not supposed to perform a miracle. No, it wasn't that at all. See, I think we need to go to John 7 and start tying into the rest of the Gospel of John in order to answer why he says, my time has not yet come. So if you will, jump over with me to John 7. John 7, and we're going we're gonna to hit a couple of verses here in John. And, and I think it's so important that we work our way through here to find out what is he saying? Why, why did he address his mom like that? Why, why is he saying, my time has not yet come? So John 7, verses 1 through 6 to begin with. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee purposely staying away from Judea because the Jews there were waiting to take his life. But when the Jewish feast of tabernacle was near, Jesus' brother said to him, You ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus told them, the right time for me has not yet come. Let's move on to John 7, verse 25. John 7, verse 25. You see, Jesus eventually went to the feast in a not-so-public way. He went to the feast. 
And he started teaching them. And we get to verse 25. It says, at that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly, and they are saying a word, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Christ? But we know where this man is from. When the Christ comes, no one will know where he's from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. But I am not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him, because I am from him, and he sent me. At this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his time had not yet come. A few days later, he again is teaching. A few days later, he's, he's teaching in the temple, and the crowds are enraged by his claims and what he's saying. So jump forward with me to John 8, John 8, 19 and 20. John 8, 19 and 20. It says, Then they asked him, Where is your father? You do not know my father. No, no, me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. What's it saying? What's it saying when he said, my time is not here yet? It's not time for me. So we back up and look at the miracle and we say, why is Jesus saying my time has not yet come? To gain full understanding of this, let's jump forward a little more, John 12. John 12. John 12, verse 20 through 27. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, they said, We would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. The hour has come for the Son, to, the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servants also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me, now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? Listen, he says, no, it is for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. See, the time Jesus was referring to. From the start of his ministry, all the way through his ministry, to this point. was the hour for him to be crucified. The 
the hour for him to crucify, be crucified on the cross and shed his blood. And shed his blood that cleanses and purifies you and me. But when you start putting all this into the Gospel of John, when you start putting all this together, we start un un unfolding some depths of this miracle. So go back with me to John 2. John 2. Jesus' mother said they have no more wine. And this miracle that Jesus performed before he did it, his mom said, they have no more wine. And they absolutely had no more wine. They were physically out of wine. But can we look at it maybe with a little more detail than that? Can we look at it as they lack the cleansing and the purifying that the wine offers? The blood of Jesus. When we take communion, what's the juice represent? What's the wine represent? The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Well, let's dig into it even more. John 2, 6. Nearby stood six stone water jars. The kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. Each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the water, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. To the brim. For the Jews. These jars held water. They cleansed them. When, when they did something that made them unclean, for, for instance, if they would touch a dead body, they would be unclean. Everybody would know that they were unclean. They had to go to these jars for a ceremonial cleansing that held the water that would cleanse them. And then when they would wash in this water, it would cleanse them, it would purify them, and they would be clean. Completely clean. And this why? Hey, from these stone jars. That were used for a ceremony cleansing. I believe it gives us great detail. When we start looking at Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God. And the detail that God has given us. And what Jesus is laying out here in his first miracle. See, we go, let's go on to verse 8. It says, Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from. Though the servant who had drawn the water knew then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out their choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. Guys, I want you to get this. And I'm going to tell you right now, maybe I'm wrong. This is going to be my opinion, and I can be wrong. And if you completely disagree with me, come and talk with me. But this is what's been laid on my heart since I said, God, I'm going to tackle the Gospel of John. 
And this miracle has not left me alone. And I have tried to find this in commentaries. I've tried to find it anywhere to back up what I'm trying to say. And I can't find it. So if I'm wrong, come tell me. <laughs> the descriptive word says everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you save the best till now. Can we say that the cheaper wine is the old law? And the chosen wine is Jesus. That is representing Jesus. Every time we take communion, we take a wine, the blood of Jesus that we know cleanses us. And when we look at this miracle, can we look at it deeper than just a miracle that Jesus did? An amazing miracle, don't get me wrong. An amazing miracle. But can we look at it from the detailed orchestration of our God in the very first miracle that Jesus did in his ministry that says, this is my son. Who will be crucified on a cross. And the blood that is shed will cover my people. And cleanse them. And purify them. And let them be white as snow in my eyes. <clears throat> If you're not with me in it, I'm okay with it. But when I look at it like that, all I can say is, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And that when I believe that, I have life. I have life for eternity. And that is why Jesus came. In the start of his ministry, he wouldn't approve it. And when we start digging into the depths of the word that we're given, the details come alive. I'm going to read this because I think I, I tried to write it so that it would all come together. Maybe it already has, but I'm going to go ahead and read what I wrote here. It said, you, you see, just as the wine came from the jars used in ceremony washing, the blood of Jesus can truly cleanse people from all sin. The wine was so good that the head waiter exclaimed his delight. He was so overjoyed. He was so overjoyed. And the blood of, that, that Jesus provides does the same. It truly satisfies. It does even more than that. It truly satisfies. It purifies. It cleanses. Its power is amazing. And all those who tasted it were overjoyed at how good it was. How good it was. The wine helped give them physical strength to all those who drank it. And Jesus' blood provides spiritual life to all who accept it. To all who accept it. This is what Jesus was trying to say. This is what Jesus was trying to say when he said, My hour has not yet come. But today the hour is past. Today the hour is... Long gone, but our Savior has hung on a cross. Died. Was crucified. For you and me. And he shed his blood. He shed his blood and he knew that that's what would cleanse his people. That was what would cleanse his people and, and give us forgiveness so that we can truly be 
children of God, heirs with Christ. You know what? The wedding there that everybody was gathered at, that wine was offered to all who were there. Everybody who wanted to drink it could have their portion, their fair share of it. It's the same today. The blood of Jesus is for anybody who wants to take part. Anybody who wants to open up their heart and give their life to Jesus, the blood is there for them. For all who wants want to take it and accept the cleansing power it brings. I'm going to invite the praise team up, the music team. And I just want to say this. Guys, this miracle was an amazing miracle. And, and I don't want us to lose sight of the miracle that Jesus performed. Because we need to take the Bible literal too. And that He performed this miracle. But I think in that we can start digging into the depths of the understanding that John had when he wrote this gospel. Because when we look at it like that, it makes me say that I truly know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And know that in Him I have life. And if today, for the first time, you are saying, Jesus, you are the Son of God, you are the Christ. And I want that blood that covers me. Man, it's a good day. If you're saying that today for the first time, it, what a blessing. What a blessing that is. And, and if you're doing that, man, I want to pray with you. I, I want to talk with you here as we stand and sing here in just a minute. But if you have made that decision that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and you've never been baptized, why are you waiting? There's no excuse good enough to not be baptized in the water that He calls you to do. And so I want to encourage you today that if you're calling on Him for the first time as the Christ, talk with you. Talk And if you have done that but you're not baptized, let's do it. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that we have this miracle. That, yes, it's an amazing miracle that Jesus performed, that, that we have. God, I also thank you for the knowledge that you give us to start digging into your word and, and gaining more understanding of who you are, God. That you are a detailed orchestrator. <laughs> And you can line it all out. I thank you that you sent your son to die for us. To be crucified. And when he shed his blood, we are, we are covered. We are forgiven. We are cleansed. We are purified. And it is an absolute. God, it's not a question. And you tell us that. It's not a question. When we come to you and, and admit that you are the Christ, the Son of God, and, and then we, we know that, God, you raised him from the grave. You tell us we'll be saved. And, and, and it's an absolute. We don't need to question it. We can know that we will have life in your name. God, thank you for that. What a blessing that is. What a weight that takes off our shoulders. I thank you. And that's all you, not us. It's all you. God, I pray if people are opening up their heart to you this morning, that they, they come to the back and see prayers.
seek that time. God, I thank you for this spot. In Jesus' name, amen.